Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and a special edition, the Week in IndyCar listener Q&A, recording this early on a Thursday evening here, February 15th, just watching a little bit of NASCAR duels, I think, whatever they call them, their qualifying thing for the Daytona 500 this weekend. And I wouldn't pretend to understand how it all works, but I was watching a little bit of that Flipping around, there's a Milwaukee Bucks basketball game on, and my Golden State Warriors are playing here shortly before heading into the All-Star break. But nonetheless, going to jump into what I hope is some rapid-fire Q&A, all based around a lot of newsiness. A lot of newsy fun so far this week. Posted an episode the beginning of the week with normal questions, and... There's been a heck of a bunch of developments going on. Just today had Takuma Sato confirmed in the fourth and final Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing Indy 500 entry. I think I've been mentioning here last couple months in a variety of things that I've written about prospective Indy 500 entry lists to keep an eye out for Takuma. So it's great to see that confirmed, but we do indeed have some Newsy items like our guy, Lil Dave, Davey Malukas, hurting himself. Going to get into that. Got questions about that. Have a HECA bunch, which is the official measurement standard on the podcast here regarding Nashville, change of venues and whatnot. And we got other things too. So get through as much of that as I can here. Without going over an hour, I'm going to do my best. I never, never win in my attempts to stick to a time limit, but we'll see if I can do that tonight. So before we get to all that, let's share this. Time to say a big thank you to our show partners on the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, starting with FAF Technologies, build-to-print composites manufacturing company. They're specializing in medium-to-large-scale automotive, motorsports, and military applications. Visit faftechnologies.com. It's P-F-A-F-F technologies.com to learn more about their services and how they can benefit your business. Next, it's the Justice Brothers, makers of premium additives, lubricants, and cleaners and servicing the automotive and motorsports industries for more than 85 years with victories in all the biggest North American motor races, including the Indianapolis 500, the 24 Hours of Daytona, the Justice Brothers products are truly race-proven. Learn about their vast history and range of offerings at justicebrothers.com. If you're fond of awesome motor racing collectibles, including FAF Motorsports McLaren gear and goodies, pay a visit to torontomotorsports.com. And finally, we have a new online merchandise home for the podcast, thepruittstore.com. For all the show stickers, models, racing memorabilia I'm trying to sell and put towards our fund to buy a house is now live and rocking the pruittstore.com and once again genuine thank you to so many of you who are paying visits to the pruittstore.com and looking at what we have there and taking home some of those things and still have to get caught up add a heck of a bunch more stuff for y'all so before we roll into your questions all assembled by our dear pal jerry siddeth uh, we don't do a lot of like, hey, this thing is going to break at this day and time on the show because usually that is reserved for clients. And I don't know if this breaks from the trend so much, but 
uh, heard from a number of fairly reliable sources in the last, I don't know, 24 hours or so. Should keep our eye out. The Dale Coin Racing Team. Not saying this is a finished deal, but I have heard from, again, multiple super solid folks saying look out for a partial season by the awesome young fellow Bay Area product by the name of Nolan Siegel. So I think, again, referring back to most recent Indy 500 perspective entry list and who's poking around story I did on racer.com mentioned in there that Nolan Siegel was one of the folks who's known to be looking to see what he might find in the paddock to make his Indy 500 debut this year while doing a full season campaign, his second in the Indy NXT championship, that being with the reigning defending back-to-back NXT champs at HMD Motorsports. So no changes to that plan, as I understand for Nolan, meaning even if he's going to do some IndyCar races this year, it's not taking away from his HMD NXT program. He'll be doing all of those. As I understand it, they have found four races for him to do, Indy 500 being one of those four, all which do not conflict with his NXT responsibilities and why four instead of five or more that's the limit per indycar that you can do and remain eligible as a rookie and to potentially go for the rookie of the year honors in 2025 so the master plan would be subject to final confirmation we would have nolan siegel doing four races with Dale Coin Racing, I'm aware of what the full four race calendar would be. I'll hold off on sharing that. Obviously, hope that this all gets confirmed and done, but want to leave a little bit of meat on the bone for them to announce, assuming this all gets sealed and completed. But really happy to have been hearing about this. I had thought this was going to happen. When he did that test with Dale Coin Racing, what, little less than a month ago at Homestead, Miami, on the Roval there, super quick. Team was extra impressed by him. Great to talk to Nolan a couple hours afterwards on his drive back up to Daytona. And it just sounded like it went so well. And the plan was to do a full season of NXT, and that's it, as I am told. But in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, I'm not aware of Dale Coyne having two fully funded, ready-to-go driver solutions for his two full-time entries, meaning one person bringing a full budget to do a full season in one and same in the other. Been aware that Dale's been looking at partial season shares and One person might do a lot of the ovals, but not necessarily all. Someone else who might do some of the road and streets, but not all. Another person who might do other road and streets have multiple drivers in at least one entry. Who knows? Maybe even both entries could have multiple drivers. Been aware that where the team's been leaning. We'll see where they end up. 
But yeah, it sounds like in at least one of their cars, they will have a minimum of two, if not three drivers with Nolan being in for four of those races. Hope all of that gets buttoned up and gets confirmed because I think this kid is everything we would hope for in terms of talent, smarts, just potential, everything that is good about the American open wheel ladder system and developing young drivers like Nolan. This kid represents all the finest aspects of it. Plus, he's also done a really solid amount of sports car racing too. And despite being, I think, 19, yeah, uh, maturity-wise, mileage-wise, call him a young veteran already. So looking forward to that. Let's get moving on here with your questions. And where shall we go to start? Well, you know, we got a heck of a bunch about Nashville. I'm going to start off with uh, Richard Ng says, Best your wife, Shabrell, and you and the cats. Well, thank you. Uh, I was just getting mobbed by Rosie and Rocky, so all's good there. Richard says, what's the deal with the Nashville track change? Well, got some other questions that are a little more defined, but might save all that and just roll it into here. The answer is this has been brewing for a while, Richard, and I can tell you again, Full transparency, I did not know that this announcement was coming this week. Did know that something was in there that really needed to be dug into and figured out. And so, been hearing about some of the scary aspects of this event falling through. I don't remember exactly when just looking through some notes that I had and some kind of to-do lists and whatnot and found one of them from like mid-December maybe and had a need to look at what the heck is going on in Nashville note and didn't get to that in December. Somewhere around early December, I'm sorry, early January, maybe middle of January. Just sharing the timeline here so at least from my end, Richard, maybe can help get us to where we are today reached out to event leader uh, Jason Rittenberry and no response no return call no anything and I don't remember if I called a second time I feel like I might have but again I was talking a little while ago um, nonetheless reached out to Jason to try and find out what was really happening and no response and not just no return phone call, but not even a text. And that's not said in a personal way, like, Oh, he didn't even bother to respond via text. I add that in because that's usually the indicator that someone's been told. Don't say a word. You're not talking. Had that happen this week with uh, a <laughs> IndyCar CEO, Mark miles. Um, pretty strong indicator that oh okay we're putting the clamps on here about talking okay as i started to hear not being able to connect directly with someone who really truly would know but from some others that in or around the orbit of the event who know quite a bit just hearing things richard about 
Ooh, uh, sounds like there's been a bloodletting here and a lot of people have been let go. Change of power dynamic and Scott Borchetta, owner of Big Machine Records and other Big Machine branded businesses, the event sponsor, the Big Machine Music Grand Prix, also one of the co-owners of the event, promoters of the event, admit that I don't recall the names of the others who owned stakes in it, but just hearing that, oh, wow, a big power dynamic shift with Borchetta being elevated, didn't know exactly all the dynamics there, but knew that there was something big happening. Been hearing about some pretty serious planning and logistics issues, big snags with the city, knowing that they're changing the track layout, using mostly a downtown uh, circuit, but still going back over the bridge and running in and around a, a smaller area, but area adjacent nonetheless to the Tennessee Titans NFL Stadium that's being built, renovated, undergoing big everything here in a big build planning to debut in 2027 just been hearing that despite all the super super hype by IndyCar and the promoters uh, back what late August early September about hey we're moving the season finale from Monterey to Nashville and we're moving the track from mostly being over where nobody is to we're going to downtown party town and this is going to be amazing at highest energy season finale we ever had kind of deal uh wow it sounds like the basics of moving the event reconfiguring the track getting all that done signed off on and in agreement with the city had just been hearing that there was a lot of problems going on there. I'd heard, I can't say if any of this is accurate, but had heard there were some, might've been some weird things on the accounting side and finances and in general, this came across like something that was in serious trouble. And that's where things started to kind of taper off on, New information I was hearing, Richard. But the takeaway from all this, and as things were phrased to me, there was a serious concern that this event was not going to happen. So I don't mean like, well, we'll get through this final one in September or the one in September will now be the final ever. Like, we might not have a season finale in Nashville, period, because of all of the rumored drama, strife, planning, logistics issues, not getting the green light to do the things they need to prepare and and host this event on a new layout. Tennessee Titans and that stadium build really getting and taking the priority in land usage for it that would kind of kick IndyCar out, or I should say the promoters out, from the area over on the that side of the bridge by the stadium and 
just this whole ball of confusion, all culminating with folks who seem to know a lot, which here this week turned out to be pretty much what they knew was pretty much spot on. Uh, but yeah, their whole point was it sounds like this thing might just die before we even get to running the event on this new track. So what we have subsequently learned month, two months ago, whatever the exact timing was, Borchetta bought out the co-owners of the event and took sole control of it. Another thing I learned, um, I believe 17 was the number. 17 people were fired uh, from within the promotions organization. A real, like I said, I'd heard about a bloodletting, but I didn't know how many, was told by someone who knows this week that the number was 17, which would suggest, wow, that's... (laughs) This really was hardcore. And then we get to the, so what do you do? Well, Nashville Speedway, while it hasn't been a IndyCar circuit for 15 or 16 years, 2008 being the last time IndyCar was there, is not too far from downtown. Depending on traffic and the time of day, you're talking about from where the downtown street race would have been the drive east almost directly east to lebanon tennessee 30 minutes 30 to 40 40 is pretty close to accurate i haven't been there in a good long while i think it might have been the season or the first the debut i think was 2001 uh so that would have been my last season working in IndyCar, working on team side as engineer or whatever monkey role that I played. So was there definitely in 2001. I uh, was with, back then it was known as Sam Schmidt Motorsports. Today it's known as Aero McLaren. Um, that was the site of our first podium, our only podium of the 2001 season. Was actually the team's debut year, um, and so was really proud. Driver Jacques Lazier, third place at Nashville, stands as again the first ever podium visit for the team known as Aero McLaren. So again, quite proud of that. Really cool. And then the little sidebar here, just if you like dumb stories. So I don't remember exactly. How we got the third, because it's been a long time, but I do seem to recall we might have done it through a bit of strategery. And I think we ended up going long on a set of tires. So some kind of situation where instead of pitting for fresher tires, we ran for a long time, maybe just at a fuel stop and went back out, whatever it was, time stop, short fill, something along those lines. But I do seem to recall we went long on our final set of tires. Track being concrete is one where a lot of sliding and tire degradation has just been part of the game in IndyCar. I do recall tires were really worn out, not just in grip, but I think we had shaved them down pretty close to the cords and blew a tire 
right after uh, crossing the finish line, traveling at 200 and whatever miles an hour, and we're all cheering on pit lane. I had stopped looking at telemetry, right? And uh, we're all like, woo, high-fiving, and it had been a stressful year. Uh, Davey Hamilton had had his life-altering crash and, you know, just savaged his feet and ankles and lower extremities and we'd been cycling through driver after driver and this was finally a a reprieve and a podium and we're all just losing our minds how happy we were and then wondered why we didn't just check or flag the race but then all of a sudden i think we saw a yellow flag and yellow lights going on and uh yeah in with all the noise and all the cars and just the confusion of things and our celebration (laughs) we didn't notice that not only had he blown a tire uh but he crashed hard he was okay we totaled the car (laughs) destroyed our delara chassis so i don't know how often that has happened after the checkered flag this might be one of the limited examples of that in motor racing but indeed I think back to the inaugural Nashville Speedway IndyCar Indy Racing League event in 2001 and have great fond memories of, yay, podium, boom. Oh, I guess, and I legitimately don't remember if the pit lane setup was one where it was meant for the podium, all three drivers, or if it was just roll the winner in. But all I know is instead of any thoughts of heading towards the podium, and victory lane and whatever celebration we should have been a part of if that was the case uh very quickly we all turned to what and uh some of us sprinted but yeah basically uh ran towards where the crash he came to a stop i think like around turn two it was one of those big crashes where the car kept going and uh yeah all of a sudden the focus turned to well yeah no one's thinking about our finish uh, we're thinking about Jacques and learned very quickly he was fine. Uh, but then it turned to, oh, this beautiful car that we just did this nice thing for us. Oh, it is destroyed, and we have to build a new one. But anyways, all that stuff aside, makes perfect sense for the switch to half hour, 40 minutes east to Nashville Speedway. Would say SMI speedway motorsports incorporated the folks who own that sonoma raceway and many other circuits mostly ovals be happy to take money to have an indycar event there and hopefully profit from it while helping the series while helping the promoters this is something bottom line and just to uh, to close on this richard this is just something where the fact that we didn't lose the event, massive bonus to me. The fact that we lost a street race in order to get another oval, which we've been needing in IndyCar, more ovals, I don't love that. Um, I do love street racing, but <clears throat> more than anything, I love what street racing can do <clears throat> for a series, which is introduce new folks in a bigger and better way than uh, a traditional motor racing circuit can because that has a bit of a built-in audience folks who love motor racing know to go to nashville speedway sonoma raceway bringing and importing this race into people's laps 
who otherwise might not know about a oval or road course or whatever and actually go and participate and enjoy that's where street races have a particular value for a series like indycar as it tries to grow its fan base so don't love that we're trading one for the other but given the accelerated collapse of the downtown event knowing that it would not be something that could take place this year and likely for the next couple of years at minimum while the Titan Stadium takes precedence. The fact that this was arranged in such a short amount of time that the good folks at SMI said, yes, let's do this. We'll figure out all the details about support races and their musical acts or it's their celebration of the championship there or again who knows what all the festivities will be but let's do it uh we're here and who knows if this ends up being a success maybe indycar has a new oval it can bank on for years to come and i realize it's an old oval but all the folks in charge of indycar today were not there when it last raced at nashville so for indycar as we know it today this is a brand new event maybe this is something that can stay on the calendar hopefully it works well but yeah really sad we're not going to downtown really impressed and happy to see what folks came up with to save the indycar racing in tennessee story um those folks who made this happen deserve a lot of applause. Let's go to our pal Ryan Terpstra. Says, it's okay to be simultaneously excited and disappointed by the Nashville news, right? On one hand, Oval. On the other hand, that was turning into a special event, especially with the idea of running on Broadway. Um, Yeah, and know that we covered off a lot of this already, but I already pooped out a little opinion or thought piece or whatever about this right after the news landed. And yeah, uh, this is incumbent upon the music city grand prix promoters and IndyCar as well to replicate the excitement, enthusiasm and energy energy is the huge part here, Ryan to find a way through creativity, through going over the top, again, be it through musical acts, since Big Machine manages some monster acts, realize that pretty much all those acts have their touring calendar set for the year, but this is something where although Big Machine and Scott Borchetta were not responsible for so much of the pooping of the bed, that led to this near collapse and him buying everybody out and taking everything over and becoming the sole person in charge. But nonetheless, he has taken this on. So instead of walking away, could have, and I don't think anybody would have blamed him, he has decided to save the event, put clearly a significant amount of money into making 
it happened now at a different venue. Not saying he owes anybody anything, but I would say that having chosen to keep this event alive and with some really significant musical acts in terms of just popularity uh, within his musical family, I would think we will learn about some of those acts appearing and playing at the IndyCar season finale at Nashville Speedway and realize that folks can still uh, the night after practice whether it's friday or saturday or whatever it is drive downtown and go to all the bars and restaurants and raise hell and have fun and could even do that after the final lap of the season is completed assuming as well who knows if uh, we'll crown a champion there, Alex Pillow obviously got things done one race early last season. Uh, wouldn't be a bad thing if it happened again, I guess, but even more, I'd love to see a champion crowned at the final race as we've had so often. Assuming all those things can happen, very curious to see Ryan and say the pressure is absolutely on <clears throat> Borchetta and Big Machine the event promoters to turn this event that was meant to be Dis adult Disneyland and a fun park and all kinds of amazing things to close the season in right there downtown Broadway and just tear things up. All the energy that teams are looking forward to, teams have sold their sponsors on, right? There's a lot of hotels and suites and all kinds of things that are booked uh for this all taking place in downtown which need to be canceled need to be relocated uh out in lebanon we assume it's that thing that if we're going to make this happen and work that's what has to be preserved i don't know how i don't know how they're going to do it but how can Big Machine and now IndyCar, because they're going to need to step in and make sure their season finale is not what it has been in recent years at Sonoma Raceway and Monterey, which is just a bit of an anticlimactic thing, independent of what's happening on the racetrack, independent of who might be winning that championship, it has been, by and large, a dud. And I'm talking about my two home tracks that I love more than any other, but I'm always going to tell you the truth. It sucked because there was no energy. The crowds were small and it's hard. <laughs> Super Bowl, we're again talking about sad. My 49ers lost yet again uh, last weekend. If the Super Bowl was like 20% full, and there was just kind of a limited response from the crowd when whichever team won and all the cameras panning around just saw a lot of empty seats like it'd be really depressing right you'd be like wow nfl's falling on hard times this is the thing that big machine and indycar seemingly had a guarantee of fixing downtown and that they now need to commit to in whatever way 
at whatever limits of their financial willingness to replicate out at the speedway. So musical acts, celebrations, food trucks like mad. I don't know if they bring, I don't know. Are there like, I know mobile food trucks. Are there mobile booze trucks? I don't know, but all the raging fun that was meant to happen downtown, they sure as heck better bring that and whatever it takes make sure those grandstands are full if they've got to give tickets away go door to door knocking on doors hi please come to our event for free uh gotta happen because if it doesn't not only do you have a ton of sponsors who are looking to party and celebrate and feel so good and engaged with this series in which they participate with in among the 10 full-time teams and the 27 full-time entries. But if it's not that, and if it's just a wah, 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 (sighs) heads would, could, and should roll. All right, let's move on to, where do we go? Mama G-Force, no way! We got the mama underscore G-Force on the good old X here asking us questions. I feel really privileged there, Cassie Johnston. And say hello to your amazing husband, Craig, and your amazing daughter as well. Um, she says the internet people aren't talking enough about how this means Indie NXT will also have their finale on an oval. I feel like this is probably as close to a Freedom 100 reboot as we're going to get. So I am excited. So am I. Uh, well, I'll come to that in a sec. But I'm curious how you think the NXT cars will run there. Says, I know I should be mourning the loss of a glitzy downtown finale, but I am too excited about an oval finale to care. I've been re-watching the IRL races at Nashville Speedway, and the stands were full every year. I hope we can motivate similar crowds for this year. I know I'll be there. Yeah, so cover a couple things here Cass yeah the I think the 2007 and 2008 I believe were both subject to rain delays I don't know if both were like come back tomorrow rain delays or if one of them was a we're just gonna have to push back for many hours but rain delays very significant and yet decent crowds either stayed or, or came back on whatever that would have been a Monday or Sunday whatever it was but to your point, crowds were pretty darn good there, without a doubt. I always worry when we have a long break with any series that did well and established some form of, of real fan base in a region where it hadn't really been before. Same concerns I have for Milwaukee, right? We haven't raced there in a long time. Obviously, we all hope the place is going to be standing room only. No tickets left to buy. But the question is, will that happen? Haven't been there for a while. Did those folks who loved themselves some IndyCar locally, the ones who would be more likely to get in the car and drive over to the Speedway to see IndyCar? It's enough time gone by to where they... Stop watching IndyCar, stop caring. Maybe they watch something else, but 
I'm hoping we didn't lose too many of those folks, but we're going to find out. So that's the one thing that stands out as a bit of a concern. The NXT side, spoken with one really smart person today who uh, got me up to speed on things you were asking, things I was wondering. They've all been told within the, uh, the paddock that, yes, indeed, this is where we are closing the season. It will be on an oval. That's awesome. Couple of things just to think about. Some of the newer teams who've never competed in a Freedom 100 won't necessarily have the speedway componentry, mostly arrow, uh, needed. So that's something where they would have to go buy speedway specific uh, bodywork for this event. Wings, primarily what I'm talking about. But will they really need to? We'll have to find out. And here's the reason why. It's 1.33 miles. It's concrete. It's not giant like a Texas, Fontana, Indianapolis, and whatnot. But it is big enough. It's by far the biggest oval the NXT cars will have run on since Roger Penske bought the series, bought the Speedway, and the NXT series that came along with it. He has been adamant that these cars and these drivers will not be on super speedways. This is a track that kind of sort of qualifies. Not as scary as maybe some other speedways, but it still does qualify as one of those big tracks that Roger really has not wanted these cars and drivers on strictly out of fear for safety. So I do wonder... What kind of aero package will the NXT series demand? Do we know exactly? No. Do I think they might be pretty heavily downforced? That's my guess. If I'm just going off of Penske's mandate that these cars will not race, Freedom 100 is dead, will not race the Speedway, will not do big Speedways, it's all going to be smaller stuff, WWTR, Gateway, realize it's 1.25 miles in length, which is not that much smaller than 1.33, but it's a lot of flatness. Um, Nashville certainly more aggressive with banking and such. Um, more of a, a big bull ring than not. So this is the part that I'm waiting to find out, and we won't have an answer because obviously they're going to need to go there and test see what kind of speeds that they do, and Penske Entertainment will then need to decide if they want to really kind of run speedway speeds or dial in some more short oval-minded downforce to bring the speeds down and, in theory, make things a little bit safer or, if crashes were to happen, crashes at a less scary speed again i'm not scared of drivers running on speedways in these cars they were designed for that like genuinely they were designed for that but the series owner uh, is not in agreement so 
To me, that's the one big thing we will have to wait a little while to find out. I don't think we're going to get any kind of, here's the arrow spec for the season finale that <laughs> is a, a long ways away and before we've even started the new season, but definitely a topic we will keep our eye on. Okay, we're going to pick up the pace here. Friend Gabe Argenta says, Marshall, what do we have to do to manifest the Nashville night race? I do wonder, again, who knows what this could end up being. If I'm trying to think excitement and all of those things, the idea of a Saturday night season finale in Nashville Speedway and fireworks and music and all kinds of crazy stuff, that's uh, what I would choose. So I don't know if that's possible, but stay tuned. Uh, Jack Manson says, the Nashville thing. Really seems like amateur hour, doesn't it? Delaying the hybrid engine, the debacle with motorsports games, failure of the race in Argentina. Seems like small hiccups compared to this. I've lost faith in IndyCar management after this. <clears throat> I hear you, Jack, but this isn't an IndyCar failure. This is a failure of its promoter. And as I often say, tell you what it is, period. And if this is a thing where we need to say IndyCar, amazing, congratulations, we bow to you and your awesomeness, that's what I'll say, what I'll write, and mean every word of it. And if they poop the bed big time, you certainly know I'm not afraid of saying that. Uh, the series and the person who owns it, um, right around this time last year, tried to get me fired three times in five days or speaking the truth about things they didn't like. So, yeah, um, would tell you if it was them, this isn't them. Where there could be some accountability to think about, mention this to them. Uh, they said, no, it's not something they plan on doing, but I did ask, any thoughts on developing like an IndyCar promotions department i realize that penske entertainment is the promoter of multiple indycar events per year so maybe it could be that someone or a wing within that existing group detroit iowa and so on milwaukee they're involved in uh although the the state slash county whatever fair folks are primarily doing that but they are involved in promoting multiple events of their own. Obviously, the Indy 500 is one of them. Indy GP is another. But is there the need, in light of something like this, for IndyCar to have a team that is more engaged with their promoters who they sign deals with and give money to or receive money from or whatever it is, uh... The majority of the IndyCar events on IndyCar's calendar are created, managed, promoted by not IndyCar, <laughs> by other entities. Is there something to be learned here? And there have been others, many of them prior to the current owners taking charge and many of this prior to a lot of the senior folks who were there whether it's the failed Boston Grand Prix or, 
heading to China for the Qingdao Grand Prix, or, 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 or. We could run through a whole list of things that were supposed to happen but didn't event-wise. Is this something where a more embedded approach by Penske Entertainment slash IndyCar Promotions Department could be in there? Learning about these things more in real time. I wouldn't expect the day of whichever thing blowing up, but being in a position to where how can we exercise help, influence, or otherwise to solve some of these problems before they put one of these events that we don't own, we don't run, and isn't ours, but would certainly have massive blowback on them, Jack. How can we be more involved to help you to help us keep things from blowing up that you might have mistakenly armed and triggered and pulled the pin on? Um, That's the only area I can think of where you go, I mentioned this before, they seemed uninterested in it. Um, Penske Entertainment, sidebar here, and a very short sidebar, and this is subject for another day, another story, but possibly the most fiscally conservative racing series that I know of right now. Um, Anywhere, a fraction of a penny can be saved. IndyCar is saving it. All trying to limit how much their annual losses, operating losses, happen to be. Operating losses? Wait a minute. Don't they make crazy amounts of money every year with the Indy 500 and the other events at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? And hasn't that traditionally been for centuries, for decades upon decades, where all the big, big money taken in at the 500 and other events there is used to fund IndyCar? Yes, that was the approach and isn't that still happening yes so what's changed the new owners no longer willing to look at the income generated by the speedway as just something to write off as indy cars looking at indy car is more of a true business in and of its own and if it's running in the red and requiring money from elsewhere to prop it up, well, that's a big problem. It was not seen as a problem before everything was sold. It's been seen as a problem for a little while now. Uh, the rumored operating losses per year, again, rumored. Heard from a number of folks who seem really convinced it's in the 20 to $25 million a year range. Is that accurate? Can't tell you, but can some smart folks who I listen to and when I ask for insights and they give me that insight, those insights tend to be pretty damn sharp. So you think about that and you realize that spending money to hire extra people to be in a event promotions oversight wing of the business to liaise directly with all the promoters who put on events and really be on top of them to make sure everything's working right, and if not, to jump right in. As I understand it, this would not be the time for that money to be spent on those people for that to happen. So 
there you go. Uh, as for everything other than the Nashville thing uh, that you mentioned, yeah, I can't disagree. Uh, Jeremiah Morell, Moral. Sorry, Jeremiah. I'm always going to mess up your last name. Um, that's just how I've pronounced it for a long time uh, elsewhere. But Jeremiah Moral, how are you? And Sarah, how you doing? Favorite Prude Power Team, Sarah Maya. Uh, says, my initial reaction to the change in venue for Nashville was annoyance. But several fans have reminded me how badly ovals are needed. Says, assuming fans turn out to the oval, is there any chance we could have a spring oval race and a season-ending race on Broadway back downtown after the NFL Stadium saga is complete? Says, Nashville is the Midwest slash South version of Las Vegas, not having that downtown race is crushing. The energy and visuals made it a top four event on the calendar. I love your thinking here. Um, things are still a bit too new and in development to, I think, really get a definitive answer on this. But the next time I talk to good old Mark Miles, I will ask if there's an appetite right again we kind of got to get the speedway event the first one done see how it goes if the grandstands are half full i'd say the appetite would be very limited for a future dual event uh within two events within 40 minutes of each other in tennessee but yeah i would say that if we could have that awesome turnout at Nashville and move that to another point in time to where once that stadium goes up and goes live in 2027 in theory going back going to downtown could happen um I think it's a brilliant idea absolutely <clears throat> Jameen Tuttle say it's early but any word from Penske and company about supporting series and entertainment for added fan value I assume uh, you're referring to Nashville my friend uh covered off a lot of this um nothing yet but this is the kind of stuff i expect to hear from indycar in big machine somewhat soon and loudly because that's what they need to do they need to after announcing this proverbial fart in church uh they need to hit the headlines as frequently as they can with some big news like this uh florida georgia line which i seem to recall is one of big machines acts will be performing there and pick some of the others admittedly i don't know if i could name a single song from any of the artists on their roster i did look today just to try and refresh my memory or what i thought um but that doesn't matter. Uh, I know a lot of folks love a lot of the folks on their uh, good old musical menu. So I think we're going to hear that, and I hope we're going to see a steady stream uh, every couple of weeks of, hey, here's this new thing we're doing. Here's another thing. Uh, buy one, get one free, bring this, and you get that, and we're going to give away these, and we need bobbleheads of something, right? Uh, we need, yeah. Don't know yet got a feeling though because they're really good at marketing uh on the big machine side we're gonna learn here soon um eric franklin 
as we round out the Nashville stuff. I'm going to get into Malukas here in just a moment. Says, will IndyCar ever return to the streets of Nashville? Personally, didn't care for the event when we went to the inaugural, but I understand the popularity for some people. Quite a blow to lose this race in the downtown location. These are the big questions we are, are waiting to learn, all dependent upon how successful the Speedway venture goes in year one. Based on all the stuff they've told us, it sure sounds like we should plan on being at the Speedway in 25 and 2026 and maybe even 2027. But will there be a, an appetite by the city to get this back? to do this downtown setup full priority is being given to the Tennessee Titans and the construction there makes sense, right? That's their steady income generator. Um, compared to a once a year racing event that takes a pretty long time to set up and tear down and a lot of inconvenience that you just don't get with NFL games. I'm not saying there isn't congestion and all that kind of stuff traffic wise, but just <clears throat> you don't show up on a Monday, put up all the barriers for the IndyCar race and pull them down the Monday after the race and be gone. The setup takes weeks. Uh, and I'm again, sure you can condense that quite a bit, but it's a big ask with this having just failed in this new downtown layout that was approved by the city mayor and whatnot fully in on city works and streets and all that fully in on then find out that from a administrative and whatnot standpoint managerial standpoint the promoter had been failing and failing and failing and not doing the things they should have on the timelines that they were supposed to and the city ultimately saying nope <laughs> ain't happening um <clears throat> there's a lot of good faith that has to be restored moving things east to a speedway is the fix for the racing part does nothing however to repair relationships and trust with all those on the city side and the local municipality side to be fully engaged and happy to try and do this again. How that happens, Eric, I don't know. But I would imagine there are plans already in place, if not efforts already in place, to try and restore some of uh, that goodwill. Will there be enough restoration to have the city say, yes, let's do this again? Or will, when it comes time, there still be folks in power, folks in charge, whether it's, again, from a mayoral standpoint, mayoral standpoint, or those in charge of all the other city-based departments who uh, have to be centrally involved and say yes and help make this happen. Will they, a couple of years down the road, go, no, nah, uh, <laughs> uh, we tried it, didn't work, your fault, go away. We don't know. Jamie Dolinger. MP, best you and Chabrell. Glad that IndyCar could flex the Nashville venue. Flex that to the Speedway. Although we lose the downtown atmosphere at the event, we don't necessarily lose Nashville as a whole. Since the change was kind of expected, 
From what I could read, I think every year leading up to the completion of the new stadium construction there, they would constantly be changing the track layout to accommodate the construction stage gates. On the topic of where a banquet will be held, Jamie, don't know. We know that this was meant to be one-stop shopping downtown, right? Season finale, hopefully crown a champion, big celebration, banquet, all that kind of stuff. I'd hope at least the last part of that would hold. If not, I don't know if there's a Hilton or Radisson or uh, whatever, a Days Inn in Lebanon, Tennessee, big enough to do this. Um, will it be just done at the Speedway again in the little areas behind the Pagoda? Uh, again, I don't know. Um, TBD. Uh, but I sure hope that that's at least something they hold on to uh, and can do as originally intended in Nashville. Uh, Ken Anderson says, MP, little Dave should be healthy by thermal. They put him in the car. Says, I realize they want him in the car when he's fit, but considering the timeline, thermal may be iffy. Being a no points event, it might be risky. Yeah, so according to the doctor who did the surgery on little Dave, talking about some pretty serious hand issues, tendon issues as well, said it would be a six-week recovery period and yeah, that lands right on and right around thermal. Positives? He's young. He's young and super fit. So if we're talking about whose body would recover faster, if this was a Graham Rahal, Scott Dixon, or someone mid-30s or older, <clears throat> I'd say there'd be no chance they would be ready to have the amount of kickback and just brutalizing of hands and wrists uh, six weeks after significant surgery. The fact that the kid's 21, 22, whatever, very young, all the healing capabilities in the world. Um, also, the team being <clears throat> extremely wealthy uh, and just himself, family being fairly wealthy, uh, they should have the ability to parade him in front of every doctor, specialist, uh, service provider, whether it is uh, massage, whether it's cryo, whether it's heat, whether it's infrared, whether it is supplements and powders and high altitude this or low altitude that, wherever and however he might be in an environment doing tasks, putting things in his body, whatever things that might accelerate healing uh he has between his team and family the ability to receive all of those and if those things could knock a day or a week off of his recovery time he should be fully immersed in that so but you are not wrong in questioning whether It'd be best to just go with whomever the team is going to put in the car to stick with that driver for the first two races of the year. And I'm still a little unsure about calling Thermal a race. It's an all-star event. It's a knockout-style thing. 
it goes down to what I believe a final 12 and those 12 duke it out for the big prize money and such. It's not exactly an hour and 50 minute long traditional IndyCar race where a driver would have all of their joints just pummeled throughout the event like they normally do on road and street courses. The steering strength and effort needed to turn these cars with maximum downforce it's just otherworldly the kickback pounding over curbs and everything that goes on the shock and the forces going through fingers and wrists and palms we see the blisters right always happens at the first race if not the first couple of races as drivers build up the density the thickness the hide of their hands we always see those first couple of races where hands are still a little bit supple coming off of a long off season where there's massive blisters and tears we know that to be the norm for someone who does not have fractured hand broken hand torn ligaments or anything like that uh so just thinking about all the recovery this kid's needing to go through and then chucking him into a road racing event, even if a lot of it's just practice. That might be a lot. Um, Since there are no points, as you mentioned, for that thermal event, would it be smart if he is capable to get him back out to see how he does? Hey, this is kind of a free play session. No penalty know anything let's get you out and drive we're going to be here we're going to be using the car we're going to have someone in it want to go and do that opening practice session uh, or the afternoon session or whatever it might be during the testing portion and see how you do and hey if this is just nothing but pain and too much okay pit right away change the car back over to the other person but that's the only thing ken where i think if there were a plan to say the kid's going in for the whole weekend at thermal beforehand, and that's a decision being made now or whenever, I'd say that might be a little aggressive. Uh, making sure that he at least is able to use this free event to test himself out. There's a bit of a gap until IndyCar's back on track again, a couple weeks until Long Beach. Again, you'd rather get a feeling for where he's at than not, but... Uh, we'll have to see. Michael Bragg, you say, after the Malukas injury, do you think there will be a clause in his contract that mountain biking is now banned since he's getting paid good money to drive? No, brother, I don't. Um, these things happen all the time to professional athletes, non-professional athletes, amateurs. Um, this is just life. So... You could write a contract that says you can do nothing dangerous ever away from the track. And he could trip over his dog and fall down a flight of stairs and break his ankle and be out for three to four months. He could be running, just running in the neighborhood, trying to improve his cardio and get hit by a car. Um, I mean, yeah. So the thing I would have hoped, and I guess our pal Lance Snyder has a comment here in a sec. The thing I would have hoped 
is there would have been more reactions that seem to understand that this isn't some big thing. Like, this happens. The litany of drivers, just referring to them, separate from all other athletes, who've had preseason training accidents. Uh, happens. Not often, but it happens. We ask these drivers, especially in IndyCar, about the most physical race car you can drive, no power steering, insane downforce, they're a bit heavy too, uh, no anti-lock braking, like it is just exhausting at levels that F1, NASCAR, IMSA, you name it, know nothing about. We ask the modern-day IndyCar driver to reach a level of fitness, both muscular, cardio, and even mental, to where they can drive at 100% lap after lap and not have their forearms give out, not have their legs give out, not have their triceps and delts and this is and their core and their abs and everything that wants to buckle quads hamstrings ask them to be at an outrageous level of non-stop performance in ways that have never been asked of a race car driver before and succeed and so to do that you get a wide variety of training that happens whether it's swimming whether it's a road bike whether it's mountain biking whether it is boxing MMA, good Lord, run through the list of things. Hiking, uh, on and on and on. Uh, We get drivers who do, IndyCar drivers, who just are at crazy levels. And this can happen. It has happened in the past. It'll happen again in the future. It is not a cause for concern. It's not a cause to rewrite contracts and that kind of stuff. It happens. It comes with the territory. So just say I would have hoped to have read more folks who seem to know that or maybe appreciate that fact. Counter to that, had someone call the person a fitness guru, reach out today, and or it might have been yesterday, say that their camp the recommendations is for drivers to cut off mountain biking, any of that kind of stuff, much earlier in the off season to avoid such a thing happening. And Again, interesting insight, but as I said, uh, person is cutting onions uh, and cutting other vegetables while preparing dinner, gets distracted for a second and slices one or two of their fingers and will be out for six weeks while having those tendons reattached or whatever else it is. Um, Person wasn't looking, failed to duck, smashed head has against whatever wall while walking downstairs into the basement gets concussion like i get it just yeah um i think we just need to appreciate the fact that uh, little dave did nothing wrong this will happen again to someone else because unfortunately uh we ask our drivers to be at a crazy level of fitness and they go to great lengths to do that. Uh, Lance Snyder, you say, all the people giving little Dave grief can eat your shorts. He's an active man doing active things with a day job requiring insane activity level. 
biking, mountain biking, etc., all can lead to injuries. Thousands of mountain bikers get hurt a year. Bleep happens. Not a question, just a rant. I'm with you. Uh, Maddie McDonald, you are bringing your penultimate questionnaire. MP, any idea who the commentators might be for a Fox-produced IndyCar broadcast? I'd have to say that I'd be very sad uh, to say goodbye to dear old Lee Diffie, not to mention Hinch and County Bell and their fireworks. And uh, Maddie very kindly says lots of love to you and Chabrell and the fuzzy ones. Thanks, Maddie. Hope to see you at a race again this year. Um, can tell you I've spoken to some of the folks named here and others. Um, I can tell you that question of who might be in a Fox booth is a topic that's been pretty heavily discussed this week as well. Uh, or was it last week? I think it might've been last week. Um, whatever it was. I think Diffie in particular is such a utility player and big player for NBC can send him anywhere. And they do, whether it's IndyCar, IMSA, lot of track and field Olympics, like our guy Diffie has gone from super talented racing lead and host to, Hey, this guy, we're sending him here, sending him there. I think what AMA Supercross, like good old Stiffy, strikes me as someone, Maddie. Who, yeah, it doesn't. If it's someone other than NBC who gets the contract, I just, yeah, I think Lee is uh, in a pretty cool position of being seemingly a lifer. Hinch, I think, would be high value target. Um, for sure, I'd be very surprised if we had a Fox IndyCar deal if Hinch was not a part of that. Not sure about Townsend. Um, know that I might have recommended name or two if uh, this was potentially happening and heard some other thoughts and folks that might be of interest to get. So those conversations were not publicly facing Matty, so I can't really get into those here, but I just tell you this. The fact that we are in mid-February and I have been hearing so many people of late talking about Fox within the paddock, within the industry, within some very powerful factions of the paddock, um, not saying it's a done deal. I've heard nothing to say that it is, but I have heard from a lot of really smart folks who really know that a heavy effort is in motion to try and get IndyCar, um, which is what I wrote about, but like usually hear about these things more around the Indy 500 early summer as we get close to the end of the season where the contract would come to an end and the fact that things are this loud in February and they're real, right? This isn't some diversionary tactic of like, oh, IndyCar is saying that they have a lot of interest from Fox to try and drive up the number they might get from NBC. Uh, none of what I learned and got about this came from IndyCar had anything to do with IndyCar. If anything, IndyCar was the last entity I spoke to to finish up the story. 
Um, seems like there's a lot of move movement here of, of will and desire. See where it ends up, of course, but tell you that within the proverbial paddock, there's a lot of folks who I was quite interested to find out. Already spoken with Fox, already trying to lay a little bit of foundation there so that if the series were to head in that direction, uh, they would at least have made their desire to be a part of things known. Uh, We're going to close with Mark Sanchez. Mark says, if IndyCar does move to Fox, what are the chances of getting a wind tunnel type show back? Maybe on Fox Sports 1 or Fox Sports 2, one of which was the former Speed TV. Is there any better time ever spent on a Sunday night after a race than watching Dave Despain and Robin Miller? I'm with you, Mark. Those were fantastic times and by no means a secret because a lot of you first got to know me from this period but when i moved over from the racing team side and being a crew person and a manager and an engineer and whatever kind of monkey there uh, my introduction to the media side and the formation of what i do today started at fox slash speed speed tv speed tv.com so uh that was my primary client and kind of sort of almost direct employer for eight years then they shuttered speed myself and miller uh, moved over to racer um been there ever since racer has been my primary client uh, taking the spot that speed and fox once had so um my last time at Fox Sports slash, it wasn't speed, but last time there was, there in Charlotte was 2017 as one of the talent calling the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Uh, was it 17? 2016, 2017? I'm forgetting. Uh, 17 was uh, Fox's final after many, many years, many years of airing the 24 Hours of Le Mans. So was last there. Lots of good folks still there that I know from back in the day. And yeah, um, I can tell you the idea of bringing back a wind tunnel type show is certainly deep in my heart, but guy Dave Despain is not actually retired, but uh, don't know if that's really something Dave is up for doing again. Uh, Dave was super gracious. I think I did one in-studio appearance on the show. Uh, but probably did, I don't know, a dozen, two dozen, whatever it is, call-ins over the years um, after a major event, usually a sports car event. Uh, Miller would be there handling the open wheel side. Uh, But yeah, calling in and having fun with Dave. um, Yeah, big, big, meaningful part of my life as well, Mark. So love the idea. Don't know if that actually would happen in recreating it, but another big possibility here if indycar were to go to fox if we look at how fox has treated nascar bear in mind that indycar would become their big main racing series once they hand off the nascar season in mid to late may uh, of 2025 and beyond um if we just look at how aggressive 
and how proud Fox has been in its creation, presentation, and dedication of uh, uh, NASCAR content. If they were to apply that um, to anything related to IndyCar, uh, wow, we would be an amazing place. Um, just imagine that if that were to happen, knowing that they, unlike NBC at least, um, do actually still have dedicated sports channels, as you mentioned, Fox Sports 1 and 2, NBC closed theirs. Uh, the ability for a Fox to say, okay, uh, we're bringing on IndyCar, we're going to give it big effort, and let's try and do an IndyCar race hub type thing. I don't know about once a day, like to do with, with NASCAR, but at least once a week or more, but something dedicated to IndyCar, boy, that'd just be huge. <laughs> it's been a long time since we had anything like that. Back in like the ESPN, RPM Tonight kind of thing, um, uh, it would be phenomenal. So, yeah, I think that might be the more likely thing. But that's another thing that I'm hugely excited about the potential of, Mark, if they were to go to Fox. There just seem to be much bigger possibilities there. Big primetime presence on the network. Uh, certainly after they hand off NASCAR and IndyCar becomes their ride or die for the rest of the IndyCar season. Um, thinking about what they could do on the cable channels as well their sports networks and then thinking about this new giant holy cow streaming service they're going to be a part of for sports properties uh i don't love peacock in terms of its functionality we have a lot of the major streaming services that we subscribe to it's about as clunky and slow and frustrating as I have found, I think Paramount Plus is the only other one where it's like, come on, man. But that aside, every IndyCar everything is available on Peacock. And so it's always there. It's always a resource. I think that's phenomenal. I just know from the feedback that I get constantly, as do others, not a lot of people love Peacock and having to subscribe to it, interact with it, you name it, in order to get their IndyCar content. I would think, folks, knowing that just about every type of sports, football, NASCAR, basketball, WNBA, golf, soccer, and NHL, like everything is going to be a part of this big new sports streaming bundle coming next year. Um, I think a lot more folks would be happier and more willing to spend whatever it is to get all of that, which also would include, in theory, IndyCar, and provided that was replicating what they have now with Peacock, every session, go to this app, you're going to get it. Um, you'd have to tell me why IndyCar wouldn't do that deal with Fox right away. Only thing that might not make it the direction to go is if the dollars didn't make sense. But if they were anything similar to what NBC might offer, you get all these other expanded opportunities to reach more people and 
do more things. Yeah. Be interesting to see what the other potential suitors have to offer. Because I think, as I understand who they are and what they might be offering, unless one of them just wants to spend dumb money to get IndyCar, and that's the fear and rumor that that's what the CW might be trying to do, unless there is just, hey, we're going to give you a crazy amount of money and IndyCar were dumb enough to accept it while knowing that you're just going to kill, uh, seemingly kill your TV ratings uh, and presence in front of folks. Unless IndyCar were to just take a huge payday to help solve some of that annual loss and bottom line stuff I mentioned, um, assuming they don't do that, this seems like the most reasonable thing to consider that I know of, and we'll wait to hopefully hear more about the others. All right, y'all. Thanks for this only one-hour-long episode. Uh, Appreciate y'all. Rarely do two in one week, but we've had enough. Lots of stuff about Nashville to get through, Um, but also a little Dave and a little TV stuff, and i got a couple other stories in the works here that I'm sure we're going to want to talk about on the show, but greatly appreciate y'all. If you get a chance, please pay a visit to theprootstore.com and see if there's anything there you would like to take home. If you're interested in joining the official listener group of the show who formed on their own and are really awesome, check out the description. They're called the Day, and I love me them Day folks, um, like truly. Uh, if you ever wanted a racing family and did not have one, join the Day. Uh, because there are some amazing folks, many of them who ask questions in this episode, who are just sweet as pie, really hilarious, and really caring folks as well. Thanks to Jerry Sutta and to our partners at FAF Technologies, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. I'll speak to you here soon.